Peter, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so glad that we're able to talk today about Revent. I'm so interested to hear about the product. I can really see that there's a massive opportunity with it from my own personal e-commerce experience. Uh, and I know that there's a real demand out there for a product like this. Before we get into that though, I'd love to know more about you and your background. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure, sure. Um, great to be here. Thanks, thanks, Nick. Um, my yeah, my name is Peter Wellens. I'm uh, I'm from Belgium. Um, I and during my studies, I was lucky enough to receive uh, a limited scholarship to uh, do some classes overseas in Berkeley, California, and that's where I got, let's say, advanced into the world of startups. So when I went, when I was studying, this is about uh, twenty twelve. Uh, the startup culture in Belgium was very, very, very young, very in its uh, in its infancy, let's say. So it was something exotic, not something you do like you study. I was an engineer, studying as an engineer, and you go work for a big four or a big five company, you know, maybe some consulting. That was like the dream that was sold, very conservative. But then, you know, I walked around at Berkeley in the campuses at the end of the classes, and everybody there was talking about his or her startup, and it was the you know the rise of Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and all that good stuff and uh, and 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 the possibility opened up for me like, hey maybe this is also a road to, to go to and I remember very vividly getting back to to my last master's year and and all of us in, you know interchanging stories about our experiences abroad and with one of my you know dear friends it just clicked like yeah maybe we should start looking into not how we can contribute to existing companies but maybe put something out something ourselves into the world. Um, and so all, when all was said and done, we started a company, you know, completely unprepared, just with our good intentions and, and like the, <laughs> let's say the, the false confidence that you have when you just graduate, like you've conquered that mountain, you feel like you've yeah. got it all. And then you go into the real world and you realize like, you know, nothing and, you know, you have to ever learn everything from scratch. And, um, the first thing we did was we started up a company in the renewables, uh, sector. So, um, uh, in the installation of solar panels on roofs, you know, we did operations. We, we were kind of like the, the, the facilitator between the teams, the teams, like the people going up to the roofs, do the hard work and the clients. So whether they were corporations of, of homeowners or companies who wanted then the project to be done really exciting. Well, really exciting and a big, big learning school for us. Um, and then, you know, without going too much into detail, one startup follow the other and so that's that's that went awry when uh, the subsidy schemes changed with the government so suddenly the whole market changed and only big corporations with a lot of of cash reserves could you know manage to hold on so we got squeezed out of that um then we uh we set up a company um that sold bought and sold second-hand cars online um which grew quite successfully it was backed by a big german company so we were like the country managers that's still with the same same guy and um and i just yeah the entrepreneurial book had just entered my life and i know i'm never going to do anything different but setting something myself up and, and uh, you alluded to it uh, as a joke but like building a kind of own empire of my own something where i can you know have control over the value that we bring um i i ventured into software where is where I uh, first met my current co-founder Alex so uh, after a couple of projects I um, got approached by a tech company that wanted me to come on board as a sales executive and uh, I wanted the change of place uh, also my wife I got married 
she she really welcomed the fact that I was open to some freelance work after ten years of you know crazy startup stuff. Uh, the roller coaster, world, not mine. The roller coaster, <laughs> yeah. And it was during those um, those freelance assignments, which were typically about twelve to eighteen months, where I would focus only on the software, uh, the sales side of software, uh, is where I met some fantastic people. Like 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 the, the advantage of being a founder is that you get to taste everything in the buffet. You know, get to do some HR, some sales, some marketing, some product, and you know, you meet all these amazing people and you try to bring them together as a group. But then the, the amazing thing about freelance is what I learned a couple of years ago is that you really get to go all in on one vertical and really, really dig deep. And so software sales is where I then really started losing my heart. Like, oh, this is something that's amazing. It's very, you know, it's it's a science and an art combined and and all that good stuff. And so my my current co-founder, Alex, he was like that, but then for product. So he had had the same journey as me. He had also started a few of startups of his own with different degrees of success. And so some of my companies, you know, went on to, you know, be great, a nice financial success for me. Some of them went completely under and left uh, left the crater and and, 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 a, and a, a big big amount of good lessons. And so Alex had the same experience. So like he, he did some amazing stuff. I also uh, banged his head against the wall a couple of times. And he was, he was as a freelancer being, you know, very, very dedicated to that vertical of product building, you know, being a software engineer, but much more than that. He was like a CTO waiting for his next great idea. And uh, fast forward a couple of more years. Uh, so by that time, we were already split up, split up uh, in other projects, but we always kept, you know, good conversation because we're both incredible nerds. And so everything about nerd culture just brought us back together. Like, hey, uh, did you see that? That Have you played that game? Did you read that book? Did you watch that movie? Um, and uh, yeah, on a fateful day, it's almost almost two years ago now, I just got a call out of the blue. Alex again, hey, you know, I thought he wanted to chat, but, but there was something, I have this idea, uh, and we really should meet up. And there was another person there, uh, Bert, and Bert is, is, you know, someone I look up to a lot. He helped me when one of my companies, uh, you know, went through a very tough time where we had to make the decision. It was a social media company that I founded in 2015. Uh, and after a couple of rough years, we had to decide to let everybody go, you know, and then split whatever was left back to investors. So it ended with, with you know, everybody got out placed successfully. The investors were still happy because we were had been very frugal. But for me, it had been a very big blow to my ego. And well, and, and not just ego, but just, just mentally pretty tough. And that was an entrepreneur I looked up to. Uh, at the time, uh, and uh, he helped me. Like he was there, he talked to me. He was in my network, and as it as it stands, he was the one that actually got me the assignment where I worked with Alex for the first time. And it was him again. I learned later that had told Alex, "Hey, Alex, you have this new idea. Maybe you should get Peter involved." So I met up with Alex. Beth was there as well, and he actually was kind of like a matchmaker. He said, "Listen, Peter, I know you're enough with software sales. Alex, you have this amazing idea." and uh, building a new product for the e-commerce industry. Like, I think if you guys work together, this might really be some fireworks. And then as an exclamation point, he says, I want to be your first investor. So it was almost, you know, the perfect cocktail of, of you know, what you want. We were both a little bit battle-hardened. We knew what we wanted, what we didn't want. It, and, and Beth was there to say, you know, I'm a seed investor. So after convincing my wife, because it was back on the roller coaster. <laughs> it took, took a couple of weeks, you know, talking about it. Um, 
Alex Bert and I made a pact saying, okay, we will also put money into it. So I put nearly all of my savings into Revent. Uh, Alex also, you know, invested a considerable amount. Um, our agreement was, let's not make the mistakes that we made as first-time entrepreneurs, which were nearly all, you know, all connected to product market fit. Let's, before we actually set up the company, let's do a, a good series of interviews like open-ended, like non, non-limiting, like with people who we think have the problem that we see in the market. So we ended up talking to 10 of the biggest e-commerce companies in Belgium, in our own market, and just, you know, laying out some, some hypotheses and, 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 and just, you know, prying for, you know, is there something we're building here? And as it, as it stands, uh, almost half of them became our first users. And some of wow. them even on the spot said, if you're building what I'm thinking you're building, let's, let's do it. And so if you don't mind, I, I'd love to, to tie in the origin story of what Revent actually is. Please. Um, yeah. So, so credit or credit is due. This is 100% Alex's idea. So he's, it was his idea. And, and I was very honored that he came to me when it was just an idea because, and then we started building it together. And so Alex, you have to know, I already told you he's a product guy he's really like love with building good software that just works and solves problems but he was in a position where he was facing the same problem week after week after week to the point where he couldn't sleep at night he was the cto of a very big e-commerce company in belgium who did online auctions but online auctions to the tune of 40 50 60 thousand dollars uh an hour sometimes you know at peak moments so big money big business and a big responsibility for him and his team, uh, especially being a CTO. And so what would happen is something would go awry on the front end of those websites. So on the back end, there's hundreds of tools running like new relic, uh, to, to name a few, um, to, to name one that will look at your infrastructure, look at your uptime, look at your hosting is in order. So that's, that's all taken care of. But on the front end, like, is there. Is there a button that accidentally changed color because the designer did something he shouldn't and people can't click at the cart? Is there a payment system down which causes not all customers, but some of them to not being able to pay in and out of frustration, just go to the competitor or just leave? Or if you're lucky, file a complaint. Like that stuff would happen on a regular basis. And when it did, his sales and marketing colleagues, so the VP of sales, would stand at his desk, you know, angrily, you know, beating his fist on the table being like, Hey, we missed 160,000 euros of revenue. Uh, uh, because since Friday, this is happening and we only just now learn about it. Like this is your thing to solve. How come we don't see it? And Alex, you know, after a couple of those instances, he realized like we're, we're, we have 10, you know, 2020 vision on the back end of our website, but we were practically blind in real time on the front end. Because sure, you have Google Analytics and you have other tools, but they're all based on at least data that's at least 24 hours old. Yes. And even then, you need somebody full-time to look at those dashboards, you know, build those dashboards themselves, you know, set up notifications. It's quite a specialist job and not everybody wants to do it, can do it. And especially the real-time part of it is very, 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 you know, hard to do or very, very tedious to do. Uh, and if you're... If you have an e-commerce company where you're doing you know, thousands of revenue an hour, or sometimes even, you know, per, per 10 minutes, then being even five minutes late or half an hour late can have a huge revenue impact. 
all that, all that to sh to say, you know, this was starting to tarnish his reputation, tarnish his position, and he was like, okay, enough. And he told his team, I give you a license. Go look into the market. Find me something that monitors the front end of my store, like the operational part of my store in real time, so that at least I'm the first to know, and we don't have to hear it from customers. Because that interesting statistic. In e-commerce, uh, on average, only one in 13 users that experience a problem actually reports it. So that means for every issue that you see through your users, 12 of them have already churned, never to come back again. So that's revenue you've lost forever. Um, he went to the market and as you probably can predict, uh, talked to a lot of vendors, but nothing seemed to scratch that itch that he had. And that's when he came up with the idea, listen, um, you know, Bert, the guy I mentioned, he's, he's has a lot of success in the data observability market, but on the industrial side, he says, you know, I got to talk to Bert because we have to make this data observable for e-commerce. And he talked to Bert and then came the idea, I just have to build this myself. That's when I joined the conversation and we were sitting there on that fateful day in the restaurant and he explained, you know, he told me the story that I'm now telling you. And, um, we talked to 10 companies in the course of a couple of months, uh, and just, just realized like, this is a problem that most of these big companies have. They're either, let's say either it's an unknown unknown, like they don't know they're having this problem, which was challenge, which was sometimes a challenging conversation, or they know, and they just say, yeah, it's the cost of doing business, which was also something we heard a lot. Like, oh yeah, you know, lost news, a couple of thousand euros here, a couple of thousand dollars there. That's just the cost of doing business because you can be everywhere anywhere at one, once. Or somebody said, you know, this is a dream come true. If you can build this, like I can I can forward this directly to my agency and they can deal with it. Because now there's so 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 there was the, the those were like the three kinds of feedback we got. And then that, that was enough for us to take the leap. Um and then to to let's say make the circle rounds to today. That was that was January last year. And then two months, you know, two months of talking to customers, really making sure we have, we're not crazy and not talking to an echo chamber. Then we're like, okay, let's just take the leap. So I quit my freelance project. Alex also quit his job as CTO at the company where he experienced the problem. Um, we set up the company in March, uh, last year, and we both started full time, uh, with our own, own with our own money, just so a purely founder, found, uh, founder funded. There was no and, investment uh, at that point. There was no seed well, at only, that point. Only, only, bit, only bit, only bit. So okay. the guy, hey, we joined us together. Uh, but he was CEO. He is CEO of Times here, which is a is a data observability company, but for the industrial sector. So in no way a competitor, but a very very good advisor to us, is on all things strategy and also you know what kind of people do we have to talk to? Like how how does data, how how is is, is you know talking to data scientists, data engineers? They're a very you know, there are different breeds. There are people who are, who are you know, very particular and, and, and fantastic to talk to, but you have to know what, what triggers and what doesn't. So it was just the three of us. Uh, and then we uh, quickly also got an additional investment from Atelier. And Atelier is a company that Alex has a lot of ties with. Um, he's Brazilian, by the way. He's, he's Brazilian. Uh, now now uh, he's got a Belgian nationality, but he's originally from Brazil. And he has worked a lot with the Brazilian company Atelier that has a lot of IT talent. They do big scale projects. And interestingly, they built Mindstore, which is the Shopify alternative, uh, but for Brazil. So 
e-commerce, you know, in, in e-commerce, they were a very big reference. And because they knew Alex, they were very quick to start taking notice like, hey, well, you know, what's Alex building there? You know, who is the speeder guy? Let's have a chat. And they uh, very quickly said, listen, we're interested. If you want, we also would love to, you know, put in an investment, help you guys along, extend the runway a little bit longer while you're testing this. We were very happy to accept because they also gave us access to an enormous pool of talent that already had e-commerce experience. Um, and so those four parties where, where, where Alex and I were the ones operational in the company and then Bert and Natalie were, were, you know, were there to financially and, and, and let's say in terms of experience uh, cheer us on. Those were like the first eight months of the company. Um, and it was at the point where we just got a first prototype in the hands of those first very early believers with all the issues and all the headaches and all the surprises that brings with it. It was during that time that we started getting, getting pieces of our roadmap, pieces that we thought should be on the roadmap. We started getting that those set back to us. Like the feedback started becoming like they started confirming what we wanted to build. And that, that became uh, um, the self-reinforcing loop that gave, gave Alex and I the confidence to say, okay, this is ready to go one step further. Um, we were very, being very frugal and we're still very frugal, but we knew, okay, now we have the confidence to start adding other people to this company, you know, because we are, we are, we, we now believe we can give them a career, like not just, Hey, it's going to be a couple of months and we'll see. Um, and for that, we, uh, we decided to start fundraising and, and armed with the feedback that we got from our very early users and. Um, and also the fact that they wanted to go on record and even take calls from potential investors that really, uh, got us going. And then by the end of, of the, of December last year, so when the company was about nine months old, we secured a 1 million euro investment. So I think, yeah, it's about 1 million, million dollars, um, with the express intent to cover the next two years where, where right now we have our first paying customers, but at that time that the goal was to get to product market fit and we're still not there, but you know, we're, 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 that's what we're doing right now. And also build a team smartly, um, in a way that's, that's, that is justified by the increase in, you know, feature and activity that we're seeing. So, um, then that brings us to today. So now we're, we're the way that we've onboarded customers. So the very early believers, we, we call them cohort one. So that the first cohort of users, they've been with us through thick and thin, thin. They've seen like the, the ugly, ugly first prototypes and now are seeing, you know, quick, in quick succession, like iterations we're building. And we have the second cohort that, that, that we were managed to onboard due to all of the, you know, PR bus we got from, from a fundraise, which was fun. So actually like some of the very, the very, you know, the very big companies in Belgium that we had been courting, but they didn't give us a time of day because we were the so many at startup that asked for their you know, attention, those, those started to pay attention to us now that we had some serious investors on board. And so now we're in a luxurious position that with the third cohort that we're, we're onboarding, we can really be very selective. We now know, okay, these are the kind of companies where we have add value. These are the kind of companies that we know we can help. And so, um, the, the e-commerce companies that we're, we're signing on right now are the ones that really have to have to validate all of the all of the learnings that we have done so far, uh, and a public launch, so a launch where everybody can just sign up, get a free free trial, and then continue from then on, is something that we foresee uh, 
you know, in the summer of this year. So my CTO has expressly forbidden me to put a timestamp on it because, of course, <laughs> it's it's, of it's course. his neck that is that is sticking out now. But um, uh, the the good thing is that that uh, for the companies where we see good fits, we're able to give them a, like a very generous free trial, um, and it's it's a very fun way to build a company. There's so much to unpack there, um, but sure, I sure, want to sure. jump into <laughs> one of the points here, which you're talking about of uh, this cohort, this cohort approach to early customers. Why did you uh, take that approach, and what does that kind of cohort structure look like? For example, if I'm in cohort one, is my experience of the product, and we'll get on to what the product is like as well, but is my experience of the product very different to somebody who's in cohort two, etc.? Right. Um... Yes, the experience is different, like on a, a number of levels. So the first level, like very obviously, is the earlier the cohort, the the rawer the version of the of the product they got. But we offset that with giving them a much longer free trial. Uh, so they have also uh, the earlier the cohort, the more you know, the more we ask for feedback moments. Like some of the first cohort companies, but now it has simmered down a bit, but we would be speaking with them on a weekly basis. We, we'd be like, the pitch would be cohort one is, and listen, you get six to nine months free trial, which is enormous. You get a price that's super, super low because you're, you know, the first one to believe in us. But in exchange, we were going to be asking, you know, a lot of your time and jump on calls with us. So they were hyper-motivated, but they also get a lot of return. So that was experience for one. The second cohort, we know a little bit better, okay, what works, what doesn't. So we could afford to be a little bit more limiting in our in our trial that we gave. Uh, this was also the time that we started talking to investors. So they, they also got a little bit nervous about us, you know, handing out free trials uh, right and left. So what, what the result of that was, they got a better product, but the conditions were a little bit more you know, conservative. So now it's three to six months free trial. And we only ask to have a chat with you once every three to four weeks. And so now the third cohort is the free trials are even shorter. It's about, uh, uh, it's it's actually one month of building the model and then three months. So it's no three to six months more. It's, it's four months in total. Uh, but you get a product that's much more advanced already. So I, like I said, some people are already, have already converted to paying customers. And the uh, the feedback sessions are now max once a month or ad hoc so they get access to a customer support channel on slack so it's a lot more professionalized whereas some of the people that were in a very first cohort yeah, they have that kind of relationship whereas where they can call me at any time it's you know it's 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 really it's almost like they're marketing customers in a way like they they have they have paid us with marketing so we give them a lot of leniency in terms of their 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 financial commitments towards us Whereas later cohorts, we can we can afford to be a little bit more formal about it in a way. Um, so I know it's yeah maybe I didn't unpack it in the in the most clear way, but to summarize, it's it's the earlier the cohort, the more there's like uh, a personal connection, which is offset by uh, by the fact that you know they, they took a lot more risk in yeah. trying it in a very early stage. No, that makes a lot of sense. So getting on to the product itself now, what can yes. somebody who's signing up to, let's say, the third cohort, what can they yeah. expect when they sign up? Right. So right now, Revent, because I, I do realize I didn't even say what it is. So it's 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 a it's a monitoring tool for e-commerce that you can install in in a couple of minutes. 
and that's directly either in your Slack or your team's organization gives you a notification whenever something on the, uh, on the operational side of your e-commerce store goes wrong. And wrong, to unpack that, that means that we're seeing a movement of one of the many metrics that make up your e-commerce funnel. If we see one of those metrics uh, fall below the predicted minimum of the model that we create based on your data. And we do that in real time. So as in as little as every four minutes, uh, every five minute increments, we keep track of your data. As a metaphor, we've been, we've been compared to like a guard dog or a smoke alarm for your online store. We're not the completely horizontal tool that's going to tell you up to attribution level, like, Hey, these are the 10 things you have to do. And we think this is no, but we are the smoke alarm that has, is going to be the first thing to notify you when you're at the cards that are supposed to be at 50 are now at five or when you're at the cards. Uh, or when your payment page, uh, uh, like, or, or your product clicks, uh, that's, that's a recent example we had. If you're expecting them to go to 400 because you're doing an ad campaign and they, they drop to 45, we're going to say, Hey, you know, this is happening, Nick, for the past 20 minutes, you should take a look at this. Um, so what somebody can expect when they sign up is they, you know, we have a very short chat with them just to say, okay, why are you interested? Like, is the fit there? Like, are we not wasting your time? And, uh, then we just have to know, are you a Slack or a Teams organization? And, uh, if you install it, it takes five minutes. We don't use a cookie. It goes, you know, it, it's, uh, uh, we don't use cookies. We, we don't slow your website down. And then once the tracking is set, uh, it takes about three to four weeks for us to just ingest your data and it's, you know, purely hundred percent safe, you know, GDPR checked all that good stuff. Our legal team has had a blast. Um, and now we can finally, uh, you know, afford to pay their invoices. Uh, so the first three to four weeks we have, uh, we create your model. So that's completely passive. You don't have to do anything. And then after those four weeks, you start getting notifications when something goes wrong. And what we've seen now, that's what we've, what we've learned is that in the first couple of weeks, you might get some more notifications where there's false positives, where we catch something or like, oh, you know, is this an issue? And then you have the opportunity to say, you know, yes, this was an issue. Great please give you more or no, this wasn't an issue at all. You can ignore this in the future. And the more you do that, the more our model, you know, auto corrects itself and, and every revenant, every revenant accounts or every revenant model becomes a model that's completely tailored to your e-commerce store. And that's when we're seeing like for some, some of our customers now, they would have one or two notifications a week, but it's always something that requires their attention. And that's exactly where we want to be. We want to be make sure that e-commerce operators can sleep a little bit better at night knowing, okay, you know, Revan's out there 24 seven checking things. And if there's something, I'll get a notification. We're also now working on a feature where, uh, for notifications of a certain severity, you, uh, can get a text message or even a call, uh, because we had one instance where, you know, it was Saturday, uh, at 9 PM and the person who would call our messages, you know, was at a restaurant and he. Luckily he had his phone with him and he had, he had then the Slack notifications coming on his home screen. So when we, we, we sent a message, he could act immediately. And he said, you know, I, if my wife had asked me to, you know, leave my cell phone off of the table, they might've missed over a hundred thousand euros worth of revenue. So I was like, damn, that made us think like, did this, we, we got lucky, like we did our job, but how can we help even better? That's maybe by having some kind of SLA where we say, okay, above this threshold. 
you're going to get a call and, you know, we can, we can call you in the middle of the night or not. So, so long story for a short question, like if you're in the third cohort, you can expect to get access to that for at least four months. And afterwards you can, you know, it's no credit card required. Uh, only thing we ask you is like I said, we, we, we'd ask for one or two sessions of 20 minutes where we have a chat and just know like, Hey, you know, is this working for you? Are you getting any value out of this? Uh, which helps us fine tune and, 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 and really, you know, smooth out some of the rough edges before we launch publicly and, and open the floodgate, so to speak. So we have a, have a waiting list now of about 150 companies, which, you know, which it's amazing, you know, very happy about that. Uh, but, but with this cohort approach, that's also an advantage. We can be quite picky because we obviously want to choose those companies where we feel like okay, they have a heart for e-commerce. They're primarily D2C focused. Um, and you know, we, we, you know, we take all shapes and sizes, but if, if you have at least a hundred transactions a day, that's when we start seeing the model become very valuable. If you're below that, it's harder to, for us to create a model. And if you have five transactions a day and the next day you have 10, then, you know, those are incredible increases in terms of percentages. And because we build a statistical AI model that can go a little bit crazy with low numbers, but once you are, are let's say hundred transactions a day and up, up to 10,000 transactions a day or more, then, then, you know, the modeling that we do can really provide value and give you that, you know, that, that's, that's 24 seven watchdog experience. For uh, Revan customer, they're, they're basically, it's being integrated with Slack. It's being integrated with Teams. Do customers also have access to any sort of panel or dashboard where they're able to set limits or ingest, uh, select the, the data sources for ingestion into the data model? Or how does that work? Um, well, you're doing, you're doing exactly what we love. Like you're, you're, you're feeding our, our roadmap back to us. So at the, at the time, uh, the, the dashboard now is in beta. So a number of our users are, are testing it. And that, that simply gives you the opportunity to observe what kind of model we've built. So the upper bound, lower bound and where the actuals were and when we have notified you like historically. So that's, that's not released to everybody yet, but I think by the time somebody watches this and see this, you can safely assume that the dashboard will probably already be there. Uh, I hope my CTO won't kill me for saying that. Uh, uh, in terms of controlling the, the data uh, ingestion points and setting your own thresholds and own limits, that's something that's that's also on the on the roadmap. That's one of the the, the feedback points we got on the most. Like people want to set their own sensitivities and their own warm up time. And with warm up time, I mean, how long does something have to be problematic before you get a notification? And we see like for bigger stores, they want to know something the minute it goes wrong, because a minute can mean hundreds or thousands of revenue. And for let's say scale-ups and up-and-coming stores, they they you know they have told me you know something can go wrong for half an hour before it really becomes a problem, because if it's less than a half an hour, we probably catch it ourselves because they're so lean and mean and they have such good overview. Um, so to answer your question, if, if somebody signs up today, which is like the 15th of February, then the dashboard is is not yet integrated into the product as is. But you can become a beta user eh, if it's something that 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 you require in order to start a trial. Um, but I expect this to be released in the uh, in the next couple of weeks or months. Um, the cool. dashboard, at least, and then the, the 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 adjustments that you can make yourself. That's something for the for the following months as well. Outstanding. So for the company, you were mentioning the different kinds of companies that are using Revent. 
and yeah. you've got smaller e-commerce players, you've got very large e-commerce players. Who are the users who are using it? Who are the, the consumers of the product? Yeah. 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 Well, that was something that we had a lot of hypotheses about. And so we tested it by splitting up our outreach list into three personas that we thought would be the users. So we thought, listen, we're going to talk to CEOs and owners of e-commerce companies. That's the first group. And our hypothesis there was that either want to know it themselves, like where, where are we losing revenue? You know, where are we, you know, potentially losing customers and they might then delegate it or, or, you know, uh, give it to the people in their company that they see fit. The second group was marketeers, digital marketers, but, 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 you know, in particular performance of marketers. And that's a, because it's a job title that a lot of people, uh, in Europe and also in the States we see use, and it really encapsulates those people that have both a good eye for marketing, like copy and creative, but also a very deeply analytical mindset because the performance part is, you know, they know how to run experiments. They know how to work in analytics. They, you know, know how to interpret data. They don't run away from an, uh, from a spreadsheet. Um, so that was the second group. And th th this was really on the operational level, on the operator level. And then the third group, which was kind of our dark horse was the head of data or head of analytics. So the pure play analytical uh people because we thought like in some of these companies our hypothesis was they might be the people who get brought in when an issue is spotted like you you see you're a marketeer you see an issue and you think listen i've got to i've got to work on this campaign i really can't be bothered diving into this because i'm simply have too much on my plate ah you know sharon from data she'll probably handle it so i'll forward this to her so we thought maybe we can shortcut that by, by, by also taking that persona. So we took a, quite a scientific approach to it. We, we did outreach to all three of the personas. And as a result, what we saw is that we're able to really work well with the head of data persona for now. That was a surprise because for us, it was the dark yep. horse, uh, simply because of the analytical mindset. And they also are very appreciative of the fact that most of the issues that get notified or get, get, get a remark by Revent are issues they can handle, but they are able to then say, oh, this is not my problem. And they can safely give it back to other colleagues. Whereas normally it's the other way around. Normally they get a lot of issues and then they have to say, okay, no, no, this is, this is not something for me. This is a false positive. This is a non-issue. So we're taking work out of, off of their plate by giving it to them directly and they can do the filtering instantly without them being bothered by other colleagues and, you know, making them feel like they're not, not good, good coworkers. Um, for the, the marketeers, we've had some interesting results, but I'm going to be honest there. We, uh, we feel like the dashboard and the reporting features that you mentioned earlier that are now in beta and are working, will really need them to give value to the marketeers because they're often already pretty, pretty well versed in everything they have to do to do a great job. But they're mostly interested in looking at their performance historically, even if it's just a day back or a week back, and then you know creating insights based of, of that, and also reporting to their to their superiors or to the to the other teams. And right now, the real time aspect of Revan is something they enjoy, but it doesn't doesn't translate in them doing in it doesn't translate in impacting their day to day. So. The reporting really is going to help with that or the dashboard. And then the first group, the, the CEOs, the, the founders, 
they've been extremely helpful, but mostly from the point of, you know, delegating it quickly. So they've been a good, a good way to to then either the head of marketing or the head of data. Um, but as a user themselves, they've mostly CEOs and co-founders of smaller companies, up and coming uh, companies, really startups have responded and, and used it. But there we had the problem that if they're really, really small in terms of transactions, the model didn't really work. So as a, as a target group for us, they're, they're most relevant when they're, they're CEOs or co-founders of a pretty big e-commerce or like already pretty established e-commerce company, because then they get us to the right person and there we add value. Whereas for a smaller uh, e-commerce company, again, we, we are thinking about how we can add value there, but with the current product, like the real-time monitoring, it's, it's a little, uh, it's right now a little bit dependent on how much transactions you have. I see. When it comes to, uh, your team now, you were talking about how yep. you're uh, now able to bring people into the company. How, how big is your team now? Uh, right now we, uh, have, have, have yesterday updated our team's page. So I said, notice by art, uh, one, two, three. Yeah. So, uh, it's, it's me and then it's, uh, my CTO Alex and we've, uh, we have four people on board now with the fifth coming. So in total it's six going on to seven. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's a big change from the two of us <laughs> last year. And with Atelier, you mentioned that um, they bring a lot to the table based on all that they're doing in Brazil. They're, they've got the Shopify for Brazil. Um, do they assist with product development or what's their involvement in the product and the company? They, um, as an investor, they are, are included in, in all of the feedback and advisory sessions we have with our, with our um, board of directors and also with our investor committee. So that's one. So that they give strategic feedback on that level based on their market expertise. On a product level, uh, they have like a big talent pool. They have a lot of people working on projects. And so some of the people on our team come from their pool. So they work, you know, they're Revan's employees, they work on us, but they've helped and facilitated enormously in, you know, shortening that recruitment process for us, which is right now, I can only speak for Belgium, of course. But it's, it's hard. It's very, very hard to find great people. Like there's no, there's a lot of great people out there, but they're very well taken care of. They have excellent jobs. So, and the people we want, we often have to steal away, which is not a, not, not, an, I am not, not, it's not my favorite thing to do. Like I, I love everybody who works with us and I'm very happy that, that, that they, they're on board. Um, but the fact that's true, I tell you where we have an, as a, a pipeline, like a very, very productive pipeline of talent that we can also source. That's been very invaluable. And that's, that's been their most major contribution so far. Excellent. So then you're talking about um, stealing talent and, you know, you're trying to get people from all these big talent, talent magnets that are out there. And I, and I'm sure we could name them, but we won't here. Um, but when you're trying to attract talent and you've got this investment, are, are you looking to grow the team out further over the next, you know, 12 months or so? What, whatever's left in this sort of period of runway or what's your plan there? Well, the plan is to grow the team internally first. And what I mean by that is we have some key people now on board. I'm very happy about, uh, we really want to develop them or help them in their development journey. So one of the things that we hired for is the willingness to learn and specialize 
we and we work with with complex data models. We work, you know, with a SaaS that has to be that has to make something very complex, very simple to use. So user-centric design is very important. And so we hired for people that were obviously good at what they're doing, but also very open to deeply specialize further and, you know, having, and so we're going to invest in, in trainings for them, um, exposure to people in our network so they can you know be challenged, give them more on their plate than they can handle, but in a way that they're well supported. So investment in culture is also something that we've, we've, we've discussed, even though we're a very young company, because the advantage of all this not being my first company is that I've learned a very, very valuable lesson as, and the, that the best source for attracting talent is making sure that the talent at your company is super, super happy. There's no substitute for people being super happy where they work. Um, and because we right now have, have a good core team where we can, at least I think for the next six months, I don't foresee any more hires because we have a clear vision. We, we want to convert the users we have, make them happy or learn why, why they're not and make adjustments and then open the floodgates, uh, in the summer of this year, um, and be sure that we're poised to take on, you know, what comes our way. Um, so the next hires I foresee now that our tech team is as good as, as built for this stage is once we figure out what works in terms of marketing and sales is to grow it on that end. Um, but for the so short answer for the next six months, I think we're good and we're going to mainly invest in the happiness and comfort and productivity of our existing team so that they are the billboard for, you know, how it is to work at Revent. You raised money at, uh, during a period of time when money is not so easy to come by, much more difficult to come by than it was 12, uh, 18 months ago. What would be your advice to other founders out there watching this about raising money in the current climate? No, I, you're in luck because I gave an interview about this exact question last week in the, <laughs> the Belgian, uh, to a Belgian journalist. Um, but my advice is, you know, don't get yourself. It is harder. Like if it, I think be, be managing your own expectation is the best thing you can do for yourself. So I would just say it's, it's not fair. I think that that's something you should know. Like, it's not fair. Like, oh, I should have raced three years ago because this is way harder. It's not fair. No, it is not fair. And once you come to terms with that, you become much more grounded. Um, of course, that's not really a tip. It's more about mindset that helped us through it because I had also raced in the, in let's say the golden times when people would practically chuck money at you if you just said software and startup. Um, what really helped me is the fact that Alex is such a superstar, like my, my co-founder, like he, it's a tough lesson to learn, but, but obviously every company I think merits, you know, there's a lot of great single founder companies there, but having a founder team has helped us a lot because Alex and I are very complimentary. Uh, but I've, you know, if, if as a founder, I would say, make sure that at least that you are very, very, you know, that you can prove to investors that you're complimentary and that you are, are, you know, are well-versed in your craft. Um, be honest and straightforward about that. And then it's all about validation outside of the company. 
that has been 99% of why we were able to raise money, I think. It's not about me telling them how great Revent is or not even telling uh, Alex's tech story, even though that was great for setting up the conversation. It was then those slides that I had about, okay, and this is the CEO of that company who wants to try it. And this is a letter of intent. These are our user numbers. And this is like, we're not crazy. The market actually wants that. And every, every bit of information or every bit of proof that you can foster there gives investors who are now much more careful and rightly so, it gives them a reason to say, hey, this money is going to make more money because obviously there's a demand. Obviously there's a problem there. Um, and that ties into, I think the third tip I would give is be prepared to be very frugal and be proactive about your frugality. Don't, in this time, it's hard to raise money because people find it hard to give money to a project and then potentially losing it all, which happens all the time in startups. And the, 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 the chance of success are very low, which is, so, so if you can say, listen, we're, we're going to be frugal until we get to that point where we know we've built something people want to pay for, and then we're going to spend what we earn and not just spend the money you've given us. That's, that's been very instrumental, I think, also in making us an attractive investment. So Alex and I, we pay ourselves a salary. We, uh, so it's, it's not that li like we're frugal uh, when my kids can't eat. That's not the kind of frugality I'm talking about, but it's about not having the most flashy office from day one, not spending a fortune on new gadgets and no new materials. If your old laptop still does its job, like I'm working on a 2015 laptop. Sometimes I curse at it. Sometimes I want to throw it out of the window, but it's fine. 99% of the time it's, it's about making like being a little bit scroogey about every dollar you spend. Until you know that every dollar you spend brings in three more. And that also ties back to what I told you about team. So obviously it's inspired because we want to make our people better, but it's also because we have that frugal mindset. Like I could hire some people for marketing and sales and make my life a lot easier, but it's a gamble right now because we haven't unlocked that magic formula where we know this is exactly the person we want to help. Um, so, so, so to sum up. Change your mindset. It's going to be hard and it's good that you know that. Um, make sure you have validation outside of the market. Um, be frugal or at least tell people how you're going to spend their money. I'm careful with the money. And then I think the fourth point I made was if your team is complementary, that's something that investors, in my opinion, love to see now because they want to, they say that they're risk investors, but they want to de-risk as much as possible. And if they see, okay, this, this, person really loves sales, this person really loves product, and they have a track record to prove it, great. And if you don't have a track record to prove it, if you're a first-time founder, it might be a little bit harder now, I think even harder than what we have come through, but then the validation from the market part should be your main concern. That's excellent advice. Thanks so much for sharing that with the audience. We're coming towards the end of the interview, but before we go there, uh, we talked before the call about maybe um, a special offer uh, for viewers of the show and what maybe you could offer them. Sure. Um, I would offer to anybody who's listened this this far. Uh, so thank you so much. Um, that if you're, if you feel like, like Revan is a fit for your company or for something, you know, uh, just go to our website, Revan.ai and there's, uh, there's a contact page there where you can book a call with me or a, a form, uh, that you can fill in. And just mention that you uh, heard about 
relevant on this podcast. So mention Nick Hines or our podcast, um, uh, the Startup Scout, and then I'll get you to the front of the line. Like I'm not not trying to be bigger than I am. Like it's not like I'm drowning in, in requests. But there is a 160 company waiting list. We get I think five to ten requests a day, and I sift through them to see okay who are we gonna allow in our in our cohort. But if, if you have listened so far, this far, and you still th think there's a fit, then I'd, I'd consider you pre-qualified. Just put you on, uh, ahead of the list. And then uh, we can very quickly, like in a couple of minutes, decide, you know, if you're eligible for the four-month free trial, which I then happily will set up with you. So that's that's my offer for you. And uh, I hope hope to be able to help uh, you or uh, someone else with that. Peter, I think that's an extremely generous offer. You've obviously got a lot on your plate. And with that sort of um, waiting list of people to speak with you and, and try out the product, uh, I think that's extremely generous. So thank you so much. Um, My pleasure. So yes, that that just about, I suppose, brings us towards the end of, uh, of the interview, of the chat. Um, so with that, I'd just like to say thank you so much. Thanks so much for taking the time out to chat to us. Uh, talking about your product, talking about, you know, solving a really major problem, saving companies hundreds of thousands, possibly millions one day in, in potentially lost revenue. Uh, you're obviously doing something pretty significant in the space and I'm really excited to see where you guys go next. So I just like to say thank you very much. My pleasure, Vic.